folks, and welcome or welcome back to NTI's Japan Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Ziv Nakajima, again, and this podcast was brought to you, among others, by Emil Gorgis, a Tokyo real estate agent who specializes in serving international or mixed nationality families looking for the perfect family home. So Emil's an Australian. He's been living here in Japan for the past two decades, eight years of which he's been actively buying, selling, and managing real estate properties in the city, on behalf of his own family and a great many happy clients. And he also acts as a mortgage broker on behalf of his clients. So his company has a dedicated loan officer in many of the Japanese mega banks. And if you're a regular listener, you probably already know him from our JREP, the Japan Real Estate Experts panel sessions. So you're probably already aware that the man is an absolute fountain of wisdom on all things related to real estate in Japan. And in particular to family homes, the greater Tokyo metropolitan area and mortgages. And most importantly, he's incredibly generous with his time and advice, which he's more than happy to provide at no cost or commitment to anyone asking. So if you've been thinking about buying your home in Tokyo, but you've been sitting on the fence for a while, or if you just want to have a chat in English with a real expert, drop him a line on emil.gorgis, that's E-M-I-L dot G-O-R-G, Double E S Emil dot Gorgies at Tokyo Realty dot JP. Hit him up today and start exploring your options. All right, so for today's episode, this is a call with a new potential client. He's living in Japan and he's wondering what he can buy for a budget of between 10 to 20 million Japanese yen or about 80 to 150,000 US. We talk about what and where to buy, the advantages and disadvantages of investing in residential versus commercial properties, or more accurately, in having residential or commercial tenants, on how to diversify one's portfolio, about the availability of loans for owners, occupiers, and investors, and how those differ in terms, and much, much more. So pretty short, but quite deep conversation, touching on many of the topics that interest first-time investors. Hope you enjoy it. I'll see you again on the other side. Okay, yes, so that's very that's nice a, to meet you. How can I help? Yes, yeah. So uh, we we spoke last year, right? And yeah. uh, I was just kind of interested in terms of um, you know looking at investment properties. Um, and um, I mean, I don't have a lot of um, spare cash, but I was just kind of seeing, trying to understand, like you know, what kind of returns you can get, what kind of properties you can buy, and what kind of returns you can get for like a budget of just like ten or twenty million yen. If that's even possible, ten or twenty million yen. Um, do you have any particular locations that you're um, uh, extremely um, fond not, of or against? Or um, neither, actually. Um, you know, I, right now I'm kind of open. I, I don't have anything that I really love or really hate. Uh, but I'm in I'm in like Tokyo right now, and I'll be moving to Chiba, and so I'm guessing like. The Tokyo, Chiba, Saitama, you know, those kind of, uh, you know, Yokohama, whatever, those kind of areas would okay. be nice. Um, but obviously, Tokyo is very expensive, so I don't expect it to be Tokyo. Well, um, if it's a strictly investment property, the best return that you're going to get from investment properties are usually going to be for smaller um, studio or one-bedroom units. Mm-hmm. So it it is doable in Tokyo. You can get a unit for that price if it's not um, extremely new or you know in the center of Shinjuku penthouse kind of thing. But um, the returns are going to be quite low in Tokyo. Okay. 
Um, they're a little bit higher in uh, Yokohama, and they can be even higher in Chiba or Saitama. Oh, really? Okay. For Chiba, we'd probably stick to Chiba City because the rest of Chiba is quite rural. Mm -hmm. And Saitama as well, Saitama City. I wouldn't go beyond Saitama City in Saitama Prefecture. The other places might not mm -hmm. be very good for population trends. Mm -hmm. But Saitama City is quite good. Yokohama as well, um, as long as you stay within two or three stations from the central area, because the rest is a little bit too suburban for investment. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not necessarily bad locations, but it can take longer to repopulate them when they become vacant. Mm. And the other thing is that um, in Japan, because the legislation is very tenant-oriented, you can't really enter a property when it's tenanted. So there's not going mm. to be any inspections. Even if you purchase it and there's already a tenant inside, you're not allowed to inspect the interior of the property. Okay. Uh, you can only do that between tenants. Um, so I'm, I'm just wondering, is there a real advantage to buy property mm. close to where you physically are? As long, I mean, assuming that you're going mm. to be managing it remotely in any case. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess, I guess no real no 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 real benefit in ma in having one close to where I am. Yeah, yeah, that's. Uh, uh, I was just thinking. Uh, yeah, I mean, from in terms of like you know visiting uh, to to see, but like you said, I mean, if it's already if you can't visit, that there's not much there's not much point really. Not the interior. You can visit the building. You can take yes. a walk around the uh -huh. area, the neighborhood, mm -hmm. uh, have a look at whether the building mm -hmm. is well maintained or not. Um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But again, you and I not being, I, mean, I don't know what line of work you're in, but I'm not a building inspector personally. So mm. yeah, yeah, yeah. for me, yeah. when I go to visit a property, I, I can have a look and see if I think it's well maintained, but it's not going to really mm. give me any inside the info. Yes. So for that, we would be looking at the renovation history of the building, which the building management company mm -hmm. would be uh, providing. And we would also like to correlate that with how much money they've collected in their reserve funds. Mm. So you and the rest of uh, for ten or twenty million, we're talking about an individual unit in a co-owned uh, big concrete building, right? It's not going. You're not going to buy an entire building for that amount. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, even in other cities, and uh, the um, mm. the houses are not really the best investments because they they come with a lot of maintenance. They're just made of light wooden uh, materials. Mm. So normally for 10 or 20 million, we'd probably recommend a unit in a co-owned building. So every owner owns a different unit in the building. A particular owner might own two or three, but there, there's an owner union and a building management company in place in most cases. Oh, I see. Okay. So what we would like to do is when we do due diligence in this kind of property, we compare the renovation history of the building itself. And then the monthly fees that each owner pays, some of it goes for ongoing management and another section, another portion of the funds go towards a reserve fund pool, mm -hmm. which is collected over time. And then that pool of funds is used for renovations and big repairs on the building. So we want to make sure that the renovation history, um, if the renovation history shows us that there have been some big ticket items done in the last 10 years, for example, then we know they're not going to be required again in the next five or 10 years. And then it's okay for the reserve fund pool not to have so much funds in it. 
And the other cases, if the reserve fund pool uh, has a lot of funds in it, then even if we don't see an immediate renovation history for the last 10 years, we know that they've got enough money to do it when it needs to be done. Mm -hmm. But if we don't see big ticket items in the last 10 years and the reserve fund pools is also depleted, um, mm. I mean, it's not necessarily going to be a deal breaker, but we definitely would like to negotiate the price because we know that they're going to have to raise building fees in the near future and that reduces your yield again. Right? Mm. So that's okay. all part of the due diligence. The interior of the property, we can't see if it's tenanted. So the options are either to buy vacant and buying vacant would let you uh, see the interior and it's very likely that the interior has been recently renovated if the property is vacant mm -hmm. because usually as soon as a tenant moves out the landlord would do that mm -hmm. um, but the disadvantage there is that you're buying straight into expenses so if it takes two or three yes. months to repopulate the unit you're still paying building fees during those months yes and the other option is to buy a tenanted property the advantage there is that you've already got a tenant, you're buying straight into income. Mm -hmm. um, if the tenant's been there for a long time, there's probably a good chance that they're gonna stay for at least a, a few more years. But the disadvantage is, is that if, for example, the tenant has been there for let's say eight or 10 years, which is quite common in Japan, um, and especially if it's, let's say, a, a middle-aged or elderly male, um, mm -hmm. when they move out, um, or if they're, you know, if they're elderly, when they move into a nursing home or if they die, mm -hmm. then you're quite likely going to have a big renovation bill on your hands for the mm. interior. Mm? <laughs> mm. Um, so the, the ideal case, for example, would be if we had a tenant that's just recently moved in, let's say a month or two ago. So we know that the interior is renovated. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, let's say, a lady in her 30s or 40s. So we know in Japan, they're not very likely to get married or promoted or relocated after that age. And mm -hmm. then we've probably got a very long-term tenant that's going to stay there for a long time. And she's female. She takes better care of the property. And we've already received it recently renovated. So that, that's the ideal case. Mm -hmm. um, everything else kind of falls in between. I see. So in Tokyo and central Yokohama, the yields um, probably going to, just so that we were on the same page, when I talk about yields, I usually referring to net yields before tax. So including all of your purchase costs and including all of your routine running costs, um, but not including tax because we don't know your individual tax circumstances. You might be paying more, you might be paying less. Uh, we still don't know the property tax we can sort of make assumptions on what the property tax might mm -hmm. be, but we're not going to know it until we get closer to settlement. Mm -hmm. And also not including any unknowns. So vacancy, maintenance, something breaks, something needs to be renovated. So net before tax in central Tokyo, you're going to get maybe three and a half, four percent at best. Okay. Central Yokohama, maybe five, five and a bit if we're lucky. And the other areas, uh, oh, Kawasaki is similar, uh, maybe five, five and a half, so similar to Yokohama. Um, and the other areas, if it's a little bit more suburban in Yokohama or if it's in Chiba City or if it's in Saitama, you might be able to go up to six, six and a bit percent. Okay. Okay, so similar yield, you're going to get similar yields in Fukuoka City, which is also a very attractive destination. Um, sometimes in Kobe, if we're lucky, or suburban Osaka. 
Um, Central Sapporo could get maybe even six and a half percent. Nagoya could get maybe seven, seven and a bit. Um, Sapporo and Nagoya have little caveats on them. Sapporo, because of the long winters, maintenance can be higher. There's more expensive heating equipment in most of the properties. And if you happen to get a vacancy uh, when it's almost winter or during winter, it can take a lot longer to populate because people mm. don't move around much in the snow. <laughs> yeah. And the caveat to Nagoya is that the tenants are a bit more blue collar. So it's still Japan. There's no ghettos or crime or anything like that. And, mm-hmm. But if we do get occasional late payments or a tenant that moves out mm-hmm. in the middle of the lease, it does tend to happen a little bit more in Nagoya just because it's slightly lower income tenants uh, as a general rule. And then there are other, uh, let's call them second tier cities or prefectural capitals. So places like uh, Kumamoto, uh, uh, what's the big, the big cities in Shikoku? Uh, Matsuyama, Takamatsu, Matsuyama. I can remember there's two big cities in Shikoku. Um, Places like uh, Nagasaki, Hiroshima. So they're good cities. Population trends are at least stable. Or in some cases, they're even slightly gaining in population. So yield can be higher there. You might get something up to eight, eight and a half percent if you're lucky. But that's because property prices just simply don't go up there. So mm-hmm. you might get higher cash flow, but in all of the other locations that I've mentioned, you do have the chance. I mean, Japan being Japan, it's generally not a capital growth environment, but you do have the chance that if and when the economy does well, those locations will go up in value. Mm-hmm. Prefectural capitals and secondary cities, that's probably not going to happen much. Mm-hmm. So you're buying in those cities uh, strictly for cash flow, but the cash flow can be a little bit higher. Okay. So all of those locations that I've mentioned now, aside from maybe very central Tokyo, you would be able to buy something um, 10 to 20 million yen, maybe 13, 15 to 20 million yen, but definitely within the 20 million yen, you would be able to buy Mm -hmm. an apartment there. In some of these locations, you might be able to even buy two of them for that budget. I see. I see. I see. Okay. Okay. That's good. That's good. And... You know, the other thing uh, you mentioned, and I'm guessing is probably well out of range, but the other thing you mentioned was, um, you know, uh, like, uh, what's that? Um, you know, properties that are rented out to like, uh, you know, like a 7-Eleven or, a, or a, you know, a commercial something properties. like that, right? Yeah. Yeah, commercial properties. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. So I guess those are expensive, right? Those are very expensive. If it's a shop, especially if it's a ground floor shop, it can be a bit more expensive. Um, In good locations, it can be a lot more expensive. Um, But there are also um, second floor restaurants and shops or third floor restaurants and shops. There are some units. In some buildings, the owner union allows mixed use. So a property can be used as a residential property or as an office. Mm -hmm. And... um, Professionals that work mainly from an office that doesn't need a storefront. So, for example, uh, lawyers, accountants, judicial Mm. scriveners, uh, sometimes graphic designers, those sort of people um, can and do rent those properties because they're a lot cheaper than a a storefront. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so when if we buy uh, a unit in a building like that, it just gives us more diversity. We can apply, we can receive applications from residential tenants and also from commercial tenants. We interrupt this broadcast, I always wanted to say this, we interrupt this broadcast to tell you about Tokyo Family Stays. They're a short-term rentals company in Tokyo, and they offer a home away from home experience, which is just perfect for remote working, quarantining, or if you just need summer quiet to hide away from the world. So they offer a variety of options for families, for corporate relocations, or simply if you're transitioning between homes in Tokyo. Now the properties are super comfortable, tastefully furnished, fully equipped with all amenities, and they accommodate up to 10 people. So really the only thing you'll need to bring with you is your toothbrush and maybe a change of clothes. They've got fast, unlimited wireless internet, dedicated workspaces, and fully equipped kitchens, and they're just a delight to stay in, a fantastic alternative to Japanese business hotels, which if you've ever stayed in one, you probably know they're tiny, they're noisy, fine for a night or two if you're on your own, but long-term or with a family, you'll probably feel you're in a jail cell very quickly. So if you want to give yourself a sense of space and freedom by renting a real home with comfortable Western beds, including all the necessities like baby bedding, children's toys, high chairs, you definitely want to reach out to Tokyo Family Stays. They've been at it for over a decade. They're a fully licensed minpaku or short-term stay operator. And as a special bonus for our viewers and listeners, they're also throwing in a breakfast basket upon arrival for anyone who books and mentions the Japan Real Estate Podcast or NTI. And not only for guests, if you're a property owner, you've got an investment property that you want to tweak for higher profits or a holiday home that you want rented out when not in use via short-term stays, drop them a line today, see how they can help you maximize your property's income. And again, as a special bonus to our viewers and listeners, they're also offering a free audit of your existing short-term stay listings without any obligation whatsoever. So feel free to reach out to them at tokyofamilystays.com. Well worth your visit. And again, if you're in the market for a family home in or around the Tokyo metropolitan area, Emil's your man. Don't be shy to reach out to him as well at emil.gorgies, G-O-R-G-E-E-S at tokyorealty.jp. Mm -hmm. um, but look, if you're within the 20 million yen range, you should be able to get, um, maybe not very central, but you should be able to get a semi-suburban, even a ground floor shop, I would say, yes. Mm-hmm. But commercial tenants, and, I mean, th- there's uh-huh. the advantage there that you can, if the business is doing well, then when the lease ends, you can raise the rent, which is not something that you'll be able to do with residential tenants in Japan. Um, but it's also more volatile. So if the business doesn't do that well, if the economy is not doing that well, um, you know, then businesses close, they relocate, they downsize. So, mm. I mean, the, the tenancy leases tend to be longer. We usually see average residential tenancy would be two years renewable. Business mm-hmm. would be three or five years in most cases. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a higher probability that it, they could potentially not renew, whereas a residential tenant is more likely to automatically renew mm. on and on. Right, right. Okay, okay. I understand. Uh, but having said that, look, if their business is doing phenomenally well, they, they're, a lot of them do stay in the same place for 10 or 20 years. They've got a reputation. They mm. like to stay in the same place. And if they're doing well, you can raise the rents when you renew the lease. Right, right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was just kind of curious to kind of you know understand the difference between between the two types of uh, yeah. you know properties and uh, and also it's and um, property, it's easier for a company to declare bankruptcy to avoid debt mm-hmm. 
Whereas a residential tenant would normally, I mean, there are some low lives that don't care and would do it, but most residential tenants, when they have, when they leave and there's, you know, renovations or stuff that they need to pay for that they haven't paid for, it's easier for us to claim it from a residential, from an individual as mm. opposed to a company. Uh, a company, I mean, if you think about the scenario that, you know, the business is not doing well, they're closing the shop and they have debt, so why not declare bankruptcy? It's a company, right? So mm. you're going to see that occasionally from commercial tenants, whereas you're very rarely going to see that from a residential tenant. Mm. Understood. Understood. Okay. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean... Let me let me have a think. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like a, sounds like a, like a, just a regular non-commercial is probably uh, you know probably better at this point. Uh, residential, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Residential, yes, yes. Yeah. If it's your first investment, I definitely pay played a bit more safe and stable. Mm -hmm. So, do you have? What does your investment portfolio look like in other countries? Do you have any real estate in other countries, stocks, uh, anything? Uh, just, dividends just, or? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I mean, I have I have property in India. And, okay. Rental uh, property. That's it. And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, rental property in India, but obviously it doesn't get that much returns anyway. So. Well, I'm not, I'm not that familiar with India. So is it yeah. is it a capital growth kind of speculative hmm. play, or is it more? Yeah, like yeah, yes. Growth? More speculative. Uh, it's more of a cap. Um, yeah, more, more capital growth. I'm sure it's worth a lot more than I paid for it. You know, when you purchase it. Okay. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so in that case, we're maybe in Japan. We're focusing more on kind of paycheck, cash flow kind of. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. And then um, safe and stable, but we do want slightly higher than average cash flow. So. Would you be comfortable with somewhere like uh, Saitama, Chiba, Fukuoka, 6%-ish? Would that be reasonable for you? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. all um, of those locations are quite safe and stable. You're not being too adventurous. Mm -hmm. It's quite likely that you're going to easily find tenants when they move out. Mm -hmm. um, right. Return is higher than Tokyo, Yokohama. Mm -hmm. um, oh, maybe if we're lucky, maybe even Yokohama, we can find something at 6, 6 and a bit percent. So... Mm -hmm. probably for your first investment, I probably aim for these locations. Mm -hmm. And then as you expand, you can allocate a, you know, a smaller percentage of the portfolio to something a little bit more adventurous, maybe with higher cash flow, uh, mm. something of that sort. Yeah. 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 Makes sense. Makes yeah. Sense. So m maybe start with the first one. Yes. Mm -hmm. As you mentioned, residential mm -hmm. or, if we get lucky, maybe something in a mixed purpose building so you can rent it out to an office if and when a tenant moves out. Uh, maybe mm -hmm. leave the ground floor shops and the strictly commercial properties for the second or third investment for now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm at just recommendations will obviously uh, oh, yeah, 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 of course. Will help of course, with whatever no, you it, want it, us it, to it, get. We, we, yes. The bottom yeah, line yeah. decisions are always yours. Yes, yes. No, no, that's fine. I, I was just, uh, I'm just kind of, you know, thinking and trying to, it, it, it makes sense, it makes sense. I'm just trying to see how, how you know, it would grow. Because right now, I, I, I don't have any income right now. Yeah. So, um, so I'm, I'm looking for a job in, uh, in Japan. 
um, but uh, you know, so I have this uh, money set aside that I think maybe if I invest it, then I get some returns. So then at least, you know, I'm, I mean, although I'm spending my money right now, um, you know, but that's, uh, you know, that's more like a, like a finite pool that is emptying. Whereas if I take some of that and invest it and I get some returns, then I can just use that to carry on, you know, while looking for other opportunities. Part of the living expenses, at least. Yes. But yes. I mean, yes. for that amount, you're not going to get a monthly paycheck that will, I mean, you're not going to be able to live only on that. Of it's going to be, um... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yes, yes, yes. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I get that. Uh, it'll um, maybe come as a household shopping. Yes. Kind of yeah. yes, yes, yes. It'll supplement that. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Okay. So how did you, so you're, you're not here on a, I'm just curious, you're not here on a work visa, but you, you did manage to. Uh, I, I, uh, yeah, I have a PR. So I, I, oh, I you have a PR. Japan. Oh, okay. Okay. But you yeah, were out yes, of Japan yes. for a while. Yes, yes, yes. Ah, yes yeah. I was. So, so I had a job. Uh, so I had to move to Singapore um, for my job and then, you know, Corona and whatnot. And also I was at the risk of losing my PR over here in Japan. So I kind of came here. Understood. Well, if you already have a PR, uh, once you do get a job and you've mm -hmm. established, say, a year or so of income, um, mm -hmm. then the second investment could definitely be a finance, right? Mm, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because right now I'm not going to get... I'm not going to get a loan, right? So, yeah. Without a, without a immediate job, yeah. Uh, no, I mean, the, they look back at the last year at least. And if the last year mm -hmm. was not a steady income stream within Japan, then you need to wait mm. for a year of that before yeah. you can apply. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. So I suppose I'm just thinking um, if you want to live in Tokyo or Chiba, 20 or 20 mil, 10 or 20 million is not going to buy you a comfortable apartment for you to live in, I don't think. So it probably, I mean, you, if, as long as you can't avoid paying rent for the meantime, um, mm -hmm. it is definitely a better idea to at least park the money somewhere where it's generating uh, some sort of return. Yeah. But then after you've had that year of income, I would probably say... The first thing you want to do is maybe get a home loan for your own because the interest rates are even lower than investment loans. Mm -hmm. um, and the banks are a lot less picky about home loans. They'll basically let you purchase anything you, as long as it's not too old. I mean, if it's 40 years old, they might not like it, but they will let you purchase in more locations. And um, with investment loans, they're, they're a bit more picky in what they'll approve. Mm -hmm. And also with the... With a home loan, they will cover 100% of the purchase, maybe even 105, so including the purchase costs. Okay. Um, so as soon as you have a year of income within Japan, it probably makes a lot more sense to purchase you. Uh, you're here to stay for the foreseeable future, right? Yes, yes, that's yeah. right. So as long as you're here for at least eight or 10 years, I mean, you know, anything can happen, but as long as you're planning to stay for at least eight yes. or 10 years, a home loan makes a lot more sense as your first loan, I think. Mm -hmm. okay so keep keep investing with cash uh, i mean mm -hmm. depend on what you buy i mean th they'll let you borrow up to seven times roughly up to seven times your annual salary mm -hmm. so depending on what and where you buy you might still have a bit left over to also take out an investment loan mm -hmm. uh, but definitely go for the home loan first that's um that's a no-brainer in japan because the interest rates are ridiculously low for that okay okay
Okay. okay. So uh, are you interviewing? Have you started looking or? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So actually right now in, in, in about, uh, you know, uh, at 11 o'clock I've got a, uh, I'm talking to a recruiter. Oh, fantastic. So, yeah, yeah. And then at six o'clock in the evening, I'm talking to another recruiter. So, yeah. So what's your um, background? What's your CV? Like maybe I can try and share it around. Uh, uh, sure. Uh, I'm in uh, IT. Uh, I, I was an IT manager in uh, uh, in Bank of America. Uh, I specialize in databases and also in um, in, in automation, self-service, uh, continuous improvement, that sort of stuff. Okay. And how's your um, how's your spoken Japanese or, or written Japanese? Um, I, I, so the reason for me to do the, the other call at six o'clock is because uh, from uh, two to five, uh, I'm in a Japanese uh, intensive Japanese uh, language learning course. So right now I'm kind of N5, you know, or okay. probably less. To con conversational. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Well, if you send me a copy of your CV, I'll try uh, sharing the good word and see... Uh, See if we can yeah. get it to somebody. Sure, sure. That sounds great. I will I will send it over to you right after this call. Excellent. So any more questions that I can answer for you or should we start uh, no, I, examples I, to I, look at or? Uh, I think I, I think you pretty much answered uh, everything. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, maybe you could send send a couple of samples. Let's have a look, see what's there, see what's out there. Okay, so if you uh, just send me your email address on WhatsApp, I'm not yeah. sure if I have it. Yeah. Are you on our mailing yeah. list or you're receiving emails from us? Uh, no, I don't think so. We only spoke on LinkedIn and then WhatsApp, I think. Yeah, so yeah. send yeah. me your email address on uh, WhatsApp or LinkedIn or wherever. Mm -hmm. And then um, I'll firstly add you to our mailing list so that you just receive regular investment property mm -hmm. samples whenever we send them out. Mm -hmm. And also some just mm -hmm. articles about the market and stuff like that. And um, I'll also ask our marketing manager, Pretty, to uh, try to compile a list of 10 to 20 million yen investment properties that we've seen in the last few months, just to give you a rough idea of what's out there on the mm -hmm. market. And uh, then when you're ready to move forward, let us know and we'll take it from there. Sure. Sounds good. Awesome. Sorry. Great meeting you and great talking to you. Same, same here. Thank you. Thanks for your time. All right, so there you have it. We covered a fair bit of ground there, I think. Hope you found some value in this chat. Now, before we go, we're also as always going to tell you and also link to our other sponsor's website. That's Hiroshi Shimizu, immigration lawyer and administrative scrivener. If you're thinking about moving here on a more permanent basis, or you're already in Japan on some sort of a temporary visa, and you want to switch to a longer term or permanent one, or if you're considering setting up a local company or a branch office of a foreign company and you've got any sort of business or visa-related inquiries, or even if you just want to find out what your options are on any of these topics, feel free to contact Hiroshi Shimizu. You can find him at japanimmigrationexperts.com and he can help you set up a company, apply for any kind of visa, or just provide you with the best advice and extremely affordable consultation related to these topics. And he's already done that for many of our listeners. So feel free to reach out to him. Again, that's japanimmigrationexperts.com and you'll be well on your way. And that's it from us for today, folks. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Japan Real Estate Podcast. Do share it with your networks and please let us know what you think. So leave us a short rating or review on the iTunes store, on Spotify, or just drop us a line in the comment section of wherever you might have found this episode. We love hearing from you. 
Hope to have you with us again next time, and until then, have a great day or night ahead.